Well, you, you faithfully trudged with me through the lengthy account of Lazarus raising last week. A couple of weeks before, we made our way through the entirety of the, of the uh, man born blind and that story in John. I'm sure there are preaching professors and instructors who would say, hey, pastor, give them a break. Right? That's, too much, that's too much to cover in, uh, in, in one, uh, one week, much less try to do it twice in the span of about three weeks. So that's what I'm going to try to do today, at least, with our, uh, with our peek into the beginning of, uh, of John 12, something a little bit more devotional in nature and, of course, a shorter passage of Scripture. We're going to see that Bethany, specifically the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, was a very comfortable place for Jesus. I think that we can all remember back, or may, maybe even think now, of, of that place. I'm talking about a, a real house, a tangible house, that you just felt at home. Some, a house that was not yours. If we're lucky, we've had one or two of those in our life. I think of my grandparent, my my. Uh, my grandpa and grandma Heidner's house in Wichita, 757 North Young Street, Wichita, Kansas. That was not the only home they ever lived in, but that was the home. That was the only home they ever lived in while I was living. It's on the west side of Wichita, and we probably would go down there, especially during my uh, grade school and middle school years, probably once a month. We homeschooled. So that made it easy in terms of being able to take our school with us and not be missing school uh, sessions. With my dad's work as a, as a uh, pastor, excuse me, he, uh, he had some flexibility. So we spent a good amount of time in Wichita. And we always stayed there. Their house was, uh, uh, in, in terms of uh, size, it was bigger than the Clark grandparents' home. Their schedule was a little more flexible than some of my mom's siblings that lived in and around Wichita, so that's where we stayed. I can remember what the house smelled like. I can remember the the little couch in the basement where I usually slept and what it felt like. They called it a, a, my grandpa always called it the divan. I didn't even know what that word meant for a long time. Okay, that's what he calls a couch for whatever reason. All right. I remember the little, the little green glass candy bowl up on the fireplace mantle that always had the, the Werther original candy in it. They had a little M&M dispenser upstairs, and, and my, my grandpa was a man who uh, was extremely generous and, uh, and, and knew how to use the resources that God had blessed him with, which were not minor. He had several retirements by the time I knew him. But he bought off-brand M&Ms that I never under... Grandpa, let, let's splurge for the real, you know, the real peanut M&Ms instead of the, the, the Walmart. I didn't really say that. I probably didn't even think it. You know, as a sixth grader, somebody wants to give me M&Ms. I don't care what brand it is. But, uh, but, but I, I think of their house. When I think of that place for me, maybe there was a grandparent's house or, a, or an aunt or uncle's house or a, a friend's house for you. John 12, verses 1 through 11. I actually don't have the text up there to share today. You can turn in your Bible or you can just listen. 
Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one or he who was about to betray Jesus, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The other three Gospels detail elements of Jesus' early life that John does not. Especially, and this map doesn't really speak to the, the very earliest days of Jesus. I just wanted to get a map up there that kind of puts some of the areas that we'll be mentioning uh, uh, on, on the front of our minds. Here is, let's see, where's my mouse? There it is. Bethany right here. And Jerusalem is right there. Nazareth is way up here towards the top. Okay. just kind of gives us an idea of, of where some of these cities were on a map. But we read elsewhere, of course, in Luke's gospel that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, spent a couple of years in exile, uh, not in exile, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Running from, I guess exile's okay, running from Herod there in Egypt. And then they relocated Joseph and Mary and Jesus up here to Nazareth, not too far from the Sea of Galilee, and it was really Nazareth where Jesus spent the next probably 28 years of his life or so, and really where he grew, and, and those, uh, those real formative years. But once he began preaching and teaching, and this is why I wanted to use this map, he was constantly on the road, constantly going from place to place, and we've seen that somewhat in John, although we haven't really emphasized it too much. When he did return to Nazareth for a ministerial stop, they threatened to throw him off a cliff after a sermon. And so, well, that didn't really feel like home any, anymore. Jesus famously said in regard to his kind of transient ministry, this, this going from place to place, you know, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. While true that Jesus didn't have as we may think of it, you know, this kind of home base, at least that's not especially clear in the, in the Gospels, he did have one special place he often went when he was in need of companionship, of friends, and the absence of crowds. And that place was Bethany. One author called it Jesus' favorite place on earth. 
It was just two miles, as you saw on that map. It's very close to Jerusalem. It was probably, in some ways, the perfect distance to be close enough to Jerusalem where the temple existed and where so much of the, of the conflict that Jesus had with the political and religious leaders really came to bear. But far enough away that it was far enough away from Jerusalem and all that it represented for Jesus. More than its geographical location and the benefit that that may have given to Jesus, as, as we've discussed several times in our trek through John, Bethany, of course, was the town that uh, included the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And they kept their home open for Jesus and open for his disciples, always welcoming, always open arms. Bethany was not where Jesus went to preach. Bethany was where Jesus went to hang out with his friends. Though not his hometown, it was the place where he felt safe, where he experienced the deep love of these three siblings. (coughs) It's interesting that these friends were not anywhere in Scripture. They're not appointed disciples. They're faithful followers of Jesus, but they were not part of the 12. They were not part of, remember that story about the 72 that's also sent out? They're not part of that group either. They're friends of Jesus who believe that he is the one promised of God and who have loved Jesus as friends but have, has, but have also committed themselves to him as followers. These three, perhaps unlike any other people in the world, were the supportive structure that he leaned on especially as he approached the roughest waters of his early life. At this point, we're about a week away, about a week away from the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And he thought as one of his last actions before that time, he needed some time with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus loved Bethany. This, of course, was the same town where we were last week when Jesus went and raised Lazarus. He waited a few days and then went to Bethany, John says in the early verses of chapter 11. Forever displaying in that location that the curse of the tomb and the sting of death is transitory, right? He confronted and defeated the the one obstacle that we all have, at least demonstrated that he had the power to do that. And just a few days later, Lazarus and his sisters hold this meal in Jesus' honor. By the way, I think it's important to note that if, if anyone ever raises you from the dead, you ought to have them over for supper, right? That kind of, kind of looks like what happened here with, uh, with, with Jesus, that, that uh, uh, Lazarus is raised, and a few days later, they gather in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus for this celebratory meal. And during the meal, Mary gives the lavish gift of the scented perfume that she uses to anoint Jesus. And and the amount of that perfume, and there's this this note in there about the amount of money that Judas thought it would be worth and so on, but you can imagine how it would have overtaken the whole room in terms of the scent and begin to to flow outside of the room. You You ever walk by someone and you think, boy, they... They, they sprayed it on thick today, right? You know, it's just, whoo! It would have been like that times about a thousand, probably. So you think of 
that moment, Jesus with food and family and friends and fragrance. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, those, those places that we associate as a home away from home. I can remember certain smells about my grandparents' house. You can probably remember something similar. At this point in John's Gospel, we're coming to the point of a true transition from what is sometimes called the Book of Signs, as we've seen the seven signs beginning in John 2 through about John 11. John 12 sometimes is thought of just as a transition chapter. In fact, we're not, I don't think we're going to read it, but uh, within John 12, it includes the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem and all that begins to take place after that. So some split John into a book of signs and a book of glory as Jesus is crucified and eventually raises from the dead. It's a good time for us as we are uh, well past our halfway point in the study of John. But as we come to this point where where the focus of John is going to transition, it's a good time for us to engage in just a moment of self-reflection. Maybe we should ask ourselves whether our hearts and lives are representative of Bethany for Jesus. Does the space of our hearts include a welcome to Jesus? Have we given Jesus space in our lives as his friends did for him, the friends that he loved and wanted to spend time with? Do we, do our hearts, do our lives represent a 21st century Bethany for Jesus? My prayer is that as we continue in our study in John's gospel, that we would welcome Jesus. And as a result of that, that the aroma of new life and resurrection of spirit spread to those with whom we have contact. Oh Lord, we do.